Welcome to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore living the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are your thoughts keeping you small? Are you ready to get big? I will offer you ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. Explore what is keeping you small and how to shift your behaviors in order to get big. Learn what is possible for you. Get ready to get big and live life out loud starting now. Everybody, welcome to Get Big Out Loud. And I am Dr. Pat. I do this show with the most amazing awesome coach, keynote speaker, everything you could possibly imagine, Carrie Knudsen. Now look, this show today is really important. Here's the question. Too late for a change. Too late for a change? Too late for a change? Carrie, too late for a change? Is it too late for a change? What's up with this? What's up with this, Dr. Pat, is that I was thinking about how many people, when it happened recently even, how many people after I give a talk uh, will come up and say something they want to do and then they're like, oh, but it's too late for me. And uh, so I've been thinking about this idea of why do people constantly use this idea? It's too late for me. And I was thinking about the concept of time and our ideas we have about time and this construct we have of what's too late. When is too late? What magic age is too late? When do we cross over to the time of too late? And it's funny because I'll hear this from people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. It's too late. And I'm like, it just had me thinking about it because it comes up a lot. So I want to talk about time and when it's too late, why it's too late, why we think it's too late, all those deep things today. Look, I want to ask you a question. Is it too late for me to go change my outfit during the break? We're going to find out. All right. (laughs) Everything is too late, too late, too late. We're not even talking about how hard change is. Let's forget about all of that other stuff. The question is, do you think it's too late? And what do you think it's too late for, right? Give me some examples, okay? Because I want to know what you thought was too late to change that you actually did. Oh, I think that's so interesting because for me, a couple of times in my life, I thought it's too late. One time was... um. Going back in my 20s, I had already had my master's degree and was working um, in a job in higher ed. I was working in higher ed, thought I wanted to be a dean. I thought that'd be great. I had an amazing job at Harvard Medical School. I had everything. I was 28. I'm like, look at me. I got an apartment, a boyfriend, a job at Harvard, my master's. Like, I'm, I'm on the right track. And then magically, it all changed one day. I'm like, I need to go back to school and get a master's in counseling. Um, and I need to go live in a dorm again and um, do this. And it's really important for me. And at 28, I was like, wait a minute, is it too late to go get a master's degree? Shouldn't I have already, am I already set? And even some people said, are you crazy? You're already set. It's too late for you. You should have done that younger. <laughs> I was just 28. But that was the first time I thought it's too late for me. And then it's interesting, even recently when I wanted to be like, should I, do I want to start my own business and be an entrepreneur um, and really take my speaking and make that a business? And I thought, well, I know that I'm in my 50s. Is that okay? And I'm like, it's probably too late. I should have decided in my 30s. <laughs> and it's just those things that come into our heads. Is it too late? And, and I think at every stage of our life, we might ask ourselves, to take that class you want to take, go on that trip you want to do, get that degree you wanted to get, try that thing. Even um, it could even be small things that you've just wanted to try or do or or go to. The things that we do that I think in all parts of our lives, we can all look and think about, when have I said to myself, well, it's too late for me to do that thing? Let me give you a really specific example of perception gone awry. 
in this country, if you're not eating your dinner by nine o'clock at night, everybody like looks at you like by seven o'clock at night. Let's just say that if you're not sitting down and doing the dinner, like at this, this time frame, whatever that is, five, seven, you know what I'm saying? It's like that. In Europe, you don't even get to the table till nine o'clock at night. <laughs> and it's a perception, right? About too late. I'm eating too late. You know, where does this come from too late? Because you and I both know, I did a whole talk on this uh, in May. Time is a human made thing. Mm -hmm. We made up time. We did. And then we made up all of the parameters around time. If you get up at four in the morning, oh my gosh, you're never going to get enough sleep. Oh, it's too late. You know, this idea of not being able to make a change in life. I didn't go back to school and for start to fulfill my dream till I was 40. I never entered my mind that it was too late. There's not any energy in my body that did that, that said that, right? Mm -hmm. Why do we do that? What are we afraid of? Well, it's a false narrative that kind of protects us, but we don't recognize that it's false. So the false narrative around time is that usually it's limited. It, it, it's it's based around fear, it's, but it's also the original structure on time, I think, is meant to give us like, you know, here's a boundary, right? Here's your boundary. But it's what happens with, with all of us is I think we use time. I don't have enough time. Um, I'm so busy. There's not enough time in the day. And, and we, we, we we say things about time that again create this false narrative like we're trying to control time when you're like really we've made up systems around time and time just exists but we've made up time for what's a good time to wake up what's a good time for bed what's a good time to do these things but we've also said what's a good time in your life to be doing certain things like if you're not married by 30 there's usually a freak out moment right like i should have been married by 30 but what if you're not ready to be married by 30 right or you should have gotten your degrees at this time or you should have um status like a house or a car or something at this time in your life so we we have markers for time in terms of our lifetimes but we have markers for time in terms of our days how productive we are how we've used our time i can't get enough time um and so a lot of time, the false narratives around time kind of play into ideas around control, around lack. Um, and instead of even the way we talk about it, saying, um, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so busy, instead of saying, I'm choosing to prioritize these things over this, and this is how I'm using my time. Um, we're lazy with time. We're not productive enough with time. Like, we, again, our stories around time are a lot about control and about you know, being wrong about it. And that's why I call it the false narrative, because we make up a story about not only our day to day time, but like the time we have in our lives to do things. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of this that now let's tie it back to change, because it all ties back to change. It ties back to and we're seeing this a lot now, it ties back to the idea of I, I'm too blah, 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 to make a change. I'm too something. I'm too late to make a change. What does that even mean that you're too late to make a change? What's going on in our mind? And you know, look, let's talk about what psychologists have said about this idea of too late for change. Well, when we think about too late for change, we have to really think about our unconscious mind. And what our unconscious mind plays into is, again, the false narrative, but our unconscious mind really likes to kind of know what to expect and to know um, 
to know what's coming. So we don't really have to engage. Like we get on what I call autopilot about things. So we don't even question when people, when people say that, yeah, they're, they're, um, it's too late for me. Sometimes we're like, yeah, it is. It's too late. Cause we get on autopilot about a story that someone told us about what age and stage we can do certain things. And that's why I think it's interesting to think about your autopilot mind and like what, stories you create that create a sense of like that you just go along with it you don't even resist the narrative like let me give you an example of autopilot mind like so in our in our lives we do a lot of things on autopilot like from when we wake up in the morning to when we go to bed at night we do a lot of the same things in the same way um we wake up and let's say we brush our teeth make some coffee feed our cats if if one day we wake up and feed the cats brush our teeth, make the coffee, you you would be totally, your brain would be like, wow, that's not how we do it. There's an order to the day. There's a way we do things because your brain is like, this is what I know. This is what I like. This is how I operate. And it could be even like, think about how you put your shoes on. Most of us put one shoe on one foot. And then like, if you even change the order of how you put on your shoes or for me, curling my hair, I always curl it one way to the next. Like we do things in a certain way because our brain likes it. And even notice when you drive, you drive in certain routes, you you eat certain foods. When you think about all the food choices that's available to you, most of us have three or four restaurants we go to repeatedly, right? We, the, we, we do the things we do. We hang out with the people we hang out with because our brain loves to just know what to expect. So when you're on autopilot, you're not thinking about change in, in a way that's productive. So autopilot in a way about time is this is how I spend my time. This is how I do my my day. So if you have a thought that's like, oh, I want to go back to school, my, get my degree, your brain is like, wait a minute. Autopilot says, you already have a job. You already have, This would disrupt it. You, how would you get the money for that? How would you find the time? What would you do? Our brain comes up with these excuses to get us back on autopilot. And that's why it's hard to change because our brain is like, please just like, you know, let me just cruise on through. And here's another quick example of how, if you think your brain's not on autopilot, I double dog dare you to do two things. One is change your routine in the morning, like do something different and see how your morning goes, like change the order of things. Right. And then I also want you to think about how, how, if you look at your life and you don't think you're on autopilot, look at the routes you take, look at the people you talk to. And like, is there a lot of diversity in that? Or is that like, think about how you show up to things and then try to change something and just notice how your brain is like, no, go back to the way you normally do it. And that is a change in your routine. Just to notice that your brain wants what it wants. It wants it to be this way. So when we're saying change opportunity, do something new or different, our brain is resisting that. And so we have to become conscious that we're going to resist the change and getting off autopilot and dealing with time is going to be a change. So we're going to resist it. That's the nature of how we operate. You know, it's really interesting. You're talking about this. I want to do have a conversation. Then we're going to take a short break. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were just, be, just back and forth. And I said, you know, I mean, there's some classes I wish I could have taken in school. And, and I didn't say it's too late. I didn't say it. I didn't say any of that. I didn't say, I I didn't do that. But my friend picked up on it right away and said, you know, Pat, did you know, now I haven't fact checked this yet, but I'm going to. She said, do you know, after you're a certain age in the state of Washington, you can pretty much go to school for free. 
And I said, what? What are you, what? And and I was like, so education in a sense to the University of Washington doesn't have a timestamp on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anything, it's an encouragement. And yet we still carry the, the, the we still carry it's too late. It's too late. It's too late. And we shut down looking at possibilities. I want to talk to you about that when we come back from Bay, because when we have a too late to change mindset, we're also saying it's too late to look at possibilities. When you cut off possibilities, you're cutting off so many things, aren't you? Definitely. And I All love right. the idea of like thinking about, could we sit? I will talk about this after the break, but what is it like to sit in possibility rather than right. run off with it's too late and then too false late. narrative of that and that the thinking around that and then the actions that come from thinking it's too late, then acting like it's too late and believing that it's too late sends you down a much different path than sitting in That's what's right. possible for me. Yeah. And just, just to really cap this off before break, you mentioned about having a child and getting married. And I think, what did you say? 30? Did you yeah, say 30? Like okay. All right. Let me put this in perspective. My stepmom growing up in the deep South, was racing against a clock that said, if you get 14 to be 14 years of age, Doris, and you haven't married and had a child, there's something wrong with you. My stepmom had a first child at 12 and a second child at 13. And that is no lie. You see, these are the things that people tell us that others tell us that we have to do. And we have to do and say, and here we're talking about if you took off too late, too soon, not enough time. If you took that out of the change factor, then you would get to live the rest of the life my stepmom lived. A beautiful life of change out of the gate, went back to school, got her degree, got her real estate license. I mean, I could go through a list for you. What happens when you step into no, not too late to change? When we come back, Carrie and I will talk about whether or not we can change. And I'm going to see if during the time I have for the break, if I actually can change my outfit. Let's take a short break. I'll be right back. Are you ready to get big and live your life out loud? Tune in to Get Big Out Loud Radio, exploring life through the lens of curiosity and compassion with me, Carrie Knudsen, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will offer ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. If you want to get big and live your life out loud, visit me at KnudsenSpeaks.com. Are you ready to take the first step towards thriving and be all that you are? Hi, I am Tanya Budson, CEO of Organically Meta, a love-based business created to help you make new choices for a better life. With Heal Your Life Coaching, you learn how to love yourself so you can achieve your wildest dreams. Start by visiting organicallymeta.ca. It is time to get inspired to take action in your life. Tune in to know you're crazy. 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 With me, Susan Denae, we are identifying, understanding, and treating our crazy one episode at a time. 
We all have crazy in our lives. The thing that sets us apart is how we deal with it. And I've got you covered. Enjoy your journey. You are worth it. Visit SusanDenae.com. That's D-E-N-E-E.com. Are you a badass with big dreams? Then you need to join Confident AF Live, taking your mindset next level to get next year's results today. With me, Brandon Foster. Tune in every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will help you crack open the door to new ways of thinking and believing about yourself with mindset practices for badass people like yourself. For more information, visit BrandonRFoster.com. Psychic Medium Jamie here. I'm the owner of Shades of Spirit, LLC. I offer a variety of services to connect you with spirit. Looking to connect with a loved one on the other side? Book a one-hour psychic medium reading. Need to reset your energy centers? I suggest my Reiki flow session. Do you have activity in your home? Book with me to come investigate and help empower you to take back your space. Book your connection session now at shadesofspirit.com. Also follow me on transformationtalkradio.com. everybody welcome back everybody okay that's moving my camera right there welcome back everybody carrie knutson this is her show it's amazing uh look you get big and it's great if you want to start inside of yourself but there's going to be a moment when you realize i'm gonna come out i'm gonna get big out loud if you want to get big out loud you're going to want to reach out to carrie and the way to do that we're going to tell you now not only is her coaching platform phenomenal, helping people all over the world, but she helps people develop, discover, and add dynamite, creating a powerful voice in the world. She is a top speaker. She is. She was speaking during COVID on Zoom. She's a seminar leader. She's a one-person show. And when you hire a coach, you want to ask that coach, can you tell me, coach, what are you doing in your life to demonstrate your own platform? You don't have to ask, Carrie. You can see it. Carrie, let's give out your website. All right. You can find me at KnutsonSpeaks.com. That's K-N-U-T-S-O-N Speaks.com and find all about presentations, coaching, training. And one time someone said, you know, I feel like I have a one-woman show. I'm like, I actually do have a one-woman show. <laughs> I'm both a one-woman show and I have one. Uh, and it's a... <laughs> And that's, and I love all my work is about getting big out loud, talking about things that are important, showing up big to life. And that's what I love doing this work. Um, like being in this space, because all of it's connected to the idea of showing up um, big, getting big in life and overcoming our fears and, and, and like kind of what you're saying, like getting big out loud. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about these things. They're important. And, you know, one of the things I want to really talk about, let's get into this right now is that my challenge was, could I change my outfit in that period of time? Well, let's talk, let's break that down for a minute. Um, I know what the breaks are, they're three minutes. I think Colton told me I had five seconds to spare. I knew that I had to, I the minute I opened my mouth and I said something like that, like at the top of the show, I knew that was gonna have to be something. But let's ask about that. Now, what's at risk? for me not doing that. I don't get back in time. I delay the show. 
Why was that important to do? Because one, I had to, I had to explore the possibility. Can I really do it? So the entire segment, I'm looking at what you're wearing. I'm thinking what I got upstairs. <laughs> uh, I, I immediately, I'm like, oh yeah. And I came down. Now, why is that important? Because I've had to change my life since May 19th. And my routines are different because I made a conscious decision to come be here and help my best friend save her life. And when I got here, nobody was sure she would wake up the next day. And so let's just say I'm still adjusting, but we can change and it's not too late. And it's not too late for even you and even my best friend who is very, very sick to decide to make some changes, right? But not all of us have this, 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 this look, we don't have the, t- the tools or the skills. I'm a little bit older than a lot of you listening to this show, but I'm going to tell you I'm a, I'm a lot wiser than I was when I was homeless selling hot dogs. But that 17-year-old incident and experience, that changed me forever. It gave me the courage to look at my life. I want to talk with you about what it is we need to do to understand the possibilities, the possibilities without our brain telling us, give that up, girlfriend. You're never going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Well, and this again, when you think about how we're framing things today, the false narrative, even though it's false, is very loud in our brains. And our unconscious mind just listens to what it listens to on autopilot. Kind of like, so if we say things to ourselves like, I'm too old or it's too late or I can't because... Those kind of things that play in our brain. Uh, there's a great quote that says, be careful how you are talking to yourself because you are listening. You are listening to every word you say all the time, every day. And then those thoughts create actions. And then we take actions based on that or don't take actions based on that. And so the, the reason why this is so important is you have to change the narrative, but you have to first wake up your conscious mind to even say, what am I saying to myself? Why did I just say that? What was happening with me. And so the great thing about waking up your conscious mind is it's not about being judgy about like you're you're wrong. It's about noticing. It's noticing what did I just say in that moment? What did I just say to myself? Or what did I feel in that moment that, that made me anxious and then decide to not do that thing? And I'm here's a random but perfect example. When we were starting off the show, Colton was like, you might have to do the show on your own today. And I was like, no, we're kidding. I'm not ready. I don't know. I'm not that. And I had this, I'm like, here I'm doing a show about it. It's too late. And like taking chances. And then I, my narrative is like, I, here's all the reasons why I can't. And I just have to notice that and laugh at myself because my first thing is here's why I can't. And and it's really what happens is it's fear masquerading as a story, masquerading as the truth. And the whole idea is the truth is a bit elusive in terms of, I always say there's three truths, your truth, my truth, the truth, and facts. And what we get mired in is sometimes our truth is the false narrative we've created. Like I can't because, and you say it's too late. I'm too old. I'm not ready. And that moment where we just recognize what we're doing is so imperative because before you can make a change, you have to know where you're starting. And I think a lot of people set out to make changes, but then the reason we fall back into our old behaviors is because we don't realize what's triggering us, where we're, why, where we get mucked up and thinking about those things. And that's why I just had to catch myself in that moment. It made me laugh because I'm like, here I am. (laughs) 
having an opportunity to step into something. And then I don't want to take it because I'm too, and then fill in the blank. Right. So the first thing you have to think about is your mind is on autopilot and that's your unconscious mind being like, here's what I always think. Here's what I always do. Do you have to sit for a moment in your conscious mind and to get conscious, you have to think about how am I feeling in this moment? Why did I have that thought? But without judgment, And then once you can be conscious and be like, oh, I don't necessarily have to think that way, then you have different choices you can make because you become conscious. There's a beautiful quote that says, once you make, um, unless you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you will call it fate. And that's a Carl Jung quote. And some of us are afraid to change or can't change or we're too late because we're living by fate. Like somehow fate just, this is my fate. I can't do anything else. We we give up our control to some idea of fate. And that quote is so powerful because the invitation is, what if there's another option? What if becoming more conscious is a starting place to make change, is a starting place to face your fears, is a starting place to create a new narrative about what's possible for you? And then you can go sit in possibility. But the first step you have to do is you have to really think, what am I thinking? Does it serve me? Is it true? Is it right? Is it somebody somebody else told me what's possible for me? I worked a lot with first-generation college students, and I couldn't believe how many people with their own families were like, who do you think you are to go to college? And then, and then they're creating that narrative of like, I don't deserve, or I'm better than everyone because I am, or, or I'm breaking the, out of my family. So instead of being proud, they feel judged. And then that's a story. So can you see how this is all like, and, and other people would be like, it was expected that I go to college and my parents were proud of me. And other people, well, I, I was breaking, being a first generation college student is hard because I didn't have any support for it. So there's all these narratives that we have, and that's what we have to first become conscious of them. What is the narrative? Where did it come from? Am I going to buy into it or not? What are the pros and cons of that? And then who am I versus who everybody else tells me I'm supposed to be in this moment. And, and that's the starting point for all the other things we're talking about. But if you, if you don't do that, you can't, you can't go past. You can't, you can't, I was like, you can't skip a step. You can't skip a step. And part of this is you can skip the step. You can skip the steps in your mind that want to remind you about some belief system you developed, right? Mm-hmm. Not from the world of possibilities, right? I mean, do you imagine if you're a little teeny baby? I'm, I'm around a two-year-old here a lot. But can you imagine if, I, if you're a little teeny baby and you're in your crib, right? Can you imagine this? And you're in your crib and somebody says to you, of course, you can't understand them. But somehow, let's say you could. And somebody walks along and says, hey, little baby Maddie, let me just tell you something. Most babies don't walk till nine months old. I don't think you're going to walk till nine months old. Have you ever seen a little baby try to stand up and walk a little crawling, little infant, sweet, little cutie patootie? There is no way you are going to convince that child, that little infant. First of all, they can't hear you. Uh, They're not listening to you. And they have one thing in mind. They have a desire. And that desire is not constrained by the belief systems we develop over time. The ones that says, listen, little baby, too late. Uh, No, oh, wait, too early. No, don't walk at eight months. Oh my gosh, what happens if you break the walking rule? You see, we're born into this world with a 
open vessel. We are born. Yes. And, but what you're talking about is so interesting because then what's put on us are different stories about what's possible for us, sometimes based on our gender, like when, and how everyone's, you have a boy or a girl, and then you make a whole story about like what's possible for them or how they're going to be treated or what they're going to clothes they're going to wear, how they're going to be. And like, we, we get things placed on us, but you're right. When we're here, we're just open. And the expectation is possibility when we're little. Right. And so this is also what I think is interesting about people. When do we start getting closed off to possibility? Like when do we start to like get this construct around my life is going to look like this. It has to be like this. And, and then we rule out some possibilities and that's, what's an interesting thing. Like when do we, shift and and is, is it when you think about our families put stuff on us schools put stuff on it society put stuff on us um our neighborhoods do our religious institutions about like who we can or can't be what the right time is for certain things and we have to shift through all that to decide at some point what's true for me might not look like what's true for my family or my um, religious institution or different belief systems that society has. And, and I do have to say, what's interesting when you said married at 30, you know, most people are freaking out. I remember my mom saying at 17, you had three choices once you graduated from high school, 17 or 18 to get married, uh, to become a nun or to become a nurse. She's like, those were the three things you could do. And I thought, isn't that interesting in my generation, a generation removed. I had not once, I had never at 17 thought those are my only options. And I thought, where did my mom get those options? Right? Like what, who said to her, these are the three things you can do. And then it is even interesting for me, one generation removed. I knew I didn't want to change my name when I got married. Um, I just, I just was me. I just didn't think that that was important. I just didn't want to change my name. And I thought my mom didn't have that choice. It wasn't even a thought for her. You just changed your name. Like when you got married. And I thought, isn't it interesting as time goes on and generations change or as social movements change or as social ideologies change, what we think is acceptable, what narrative we can have. So right now, right now I've got, at 17, my narrative was like, I have a lot of choices about what I can do with my life when I graduate. And when it's time to get married, I was like, there's a lot of choices I have around what name I choose and how I live my life. But where did that come from? Is that internal, I- external? And that's why we have to ask ourselves, we're living in a lot of these narratives and we don't sometimes know where they come from. It doesn't so much matter where it comes from. I think it's more how it affects us and our choices and what's possible. Yeah. I love this show title. It's too late to change. Is it? Is it too late to change? You know, it's fascinating because I I used to have a completely warrior perspective on this. I, I don't know. I think it really was my stepmom's influence. I call her my second mom. I call her my mom. But it was her influence because this is a woman that overcame came obstacles that you can't even hardly imagine. Neither one of us can. And she had this attitude about it. But what I'm discovering is how influential the world of media, I, and I'm going to put media out there, because when my mom was doing her mom thing, she did not have six or seven or eight venues of social media that were pinging her every day, news feeds pinging her every day, commercials that were hitting her every day. And, you know, it's fascinating to me when I think about what we have to do to discipline ourselves so Mm -hmm. that we can really knock that belief down, right? I mean, what is the societal and external influence now that's happening that would cause people 
to have this notion, it's too late, Carrie. Oh, I think social media plays a huge thing. Advertisements about to what's when we see through two people, when we scroll through Facebook or Instagram or anything like that, and we're seeing people's lives on display, um, doing certain things. Um, and we only see one part of people's lives. It, it's easy to compare and think like, oh, it's too late for me to do that. Or I can't because um, I think the influence um, it's right in our back pockets. Like everyone can be looking, scrolling through and seeing kind of what life we should be leading. So if someone's on a fabulous vacation and doing something amazing and you're like cleaning out your garage, <laughs> it's it's hard sometimes to be like, is there still time for me to go on a fabulous vacation or it's too late for me? I don't have the money or I don't have the time or I can't do that or whatever. We, again, we we're so influenced. And again, it's, it's not oftentimes as overt as that it's the subconscious things that are seeping in, like what makes a good life? Um, what, and what makes, um, people happy? Like does a house and a family and kids at a certain age make it's supposed to, that's supposed to make everyone happy. Are there choices for people who don't want to get married? Are there people who do want to get married, but don't want to have kids? Are there choices for how people want to spend their money and their time and their lives and their pursuits? Absolutely. But sometimes we get funneled into this idea of age and stage, and this is what you should be doing at this. And this is what success means. And it's not, if it were overt, maybe we could be like, okay, I see, I see where this is coming from, but it's kind of all over the place because you 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 have one version of it from friends, from family, from education, from um, religious institutions, uh, from societies. And like you made the really good point, different societies then have different values around time and around things too. Like um, being on time or timeliness um, in certain countries isn't as important as it is here or um, getting out of the house by a certain time. Like I was, I have some friends in Guatemala and they're like, we think you're so silly. Why do you kick your kids out at 18? And like, we stay together till we're, we stay in the same house until we're ready to get married. Like what's the big kick your kids out of the nest thing. And they're, (laughs) you know, versus here you're the, you know, you're considered, you're still living with your parents at 20. Oh my God. You know? So again, our perceptions of success, independence, um, achievement are all intertwined in the society society that we live in. And that's why you have to come into your center at some point and say, what is true for me? What is important to me? How do I feel about this for me? And, and that sometimes may seem selfish to people, but I really think it's honing in on my own experience and my own truth. And, and that's why the idea of when we see people doing things like going back to get their degree or taking that trip they wanted to take or doing that thing they wanted to do. And no matter what age or stage it is, it's inspiring because somehow they broke out of the autopilot kind of should mindset and they did it anyway, or they did it despite. Um, And I think those people get really centered on what's true for them. Yeah. I mean, I think let's take a short break. When we come back, I want to talk about the people that you've seen in your life that have you that really have mm-hmm. have turned this idea upside down, mm-hmm. right? This too late idea, because I think we're talking to so many people today. If we could replace the word late in that sentence, if we could change that sentence alone, is it possible, Carrie, for us to help people change a belief? 
and mm-hmm. especially around a belief, around a dream that's in your heart. And, you know, I know we've talked about school because, you know, both of us here, especially me, I went back to school later. I don't know if I ever would have gone back if I didn't lose my job, you know, uh, but I did. I had it in the back of my mind. What are you holding on to? Maybe you're not even saying it out loud. Maybe you just walk around with this in despair because you're carrying something around with you. It's never going to happen to me. It's too late. Mm-hmm. I can't change that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to move to where I want to live. I'm not going to be able to have children. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to get the job I want. You know, nobody's going to hire me. I went through that, by the way. I went through that whole right there, that job thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. You know, and by the way, I actually had a career company tell me, you know, you are a little bit older. It's going to be more difficult for you. I said, you know what? I'm a lot more experienced. What do you need to change in your mindset mm-hmm. to make it happen? When we come back, Carrie's going to share a story. If you think you've running out of time, we're going to help you think again. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to get big and live your life out loud? Tune in to Get Big Out Loud Radio, exploring life through the lens of curiosity and compassion. With me, Carrie Knudsen, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will offer ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. If you want to get big and live your life out loud, visit me at KnudsenSpeaks.com. Do you need help navigating the challenges of aging family members? Michelle Magner is a recognized expert in the field of caregiving. She understands the challenges we face as we care for those we love and shares her experiences with gerontology, dementia, and conscious aging through her podcast, Inspired Caring. Her one-on-one and group coaching programs equip you with the tools to handle stress and burnout with clarity and confidence. Visit michellemagner.com. Tune in to Knowledge Book Radio with host Marge Potasek, the fourth Tuesday each month at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Through many experiences, Marge was led to the Knowledge Book, a gift to humanity in its transition to the golden age that provides truth and answers. She now shares information from the Knowledge Book with you monthly on TransformationTalkRadio.com on Knowledge Book Radio. For more information, visit USA.TheKnowledgeBook.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. You just caught me drinking. Okay, here's my little delicious green tea. Welcome back to Get Big Out Loud, Carrie Knudsen. We're going to, before the break, I said Carrie's going to share a touching story because she and I have had the fortune of having extraordinary people in our lives. But before we do, again, Please tell people about your coaching. Tell them how they can get a hold of you. Yes, you can go to KnutsonSpeaks.com. It's K-N-U-T-S-O-N Speaks.com. And on there, on the website is information about how to reach out to me for coaching. I do lots of coaching with small groups and with individuals. And I do presentations that sometimes lead to coaching after you see me present people want more coaching. And I do a lot of presentations related to how we can use applied applied psychology to make our lives better, to make our organizations better, to make our teams work better. And so you can find out all that information on our website. Awesome. Look, 
I know you've got a story and it's a very touching one. I know you had several, but I really would love for you to share this one about your dad. So I, we were talking about like what, when we think of what's possible and how we get influenced one way or the other, sometimes closed off to possibly and sometimes open. I had someone in my life who always was about possibility. And that was my dad. And he passed away five years ago, but, and he lived till 79. And the reason I wanted to talk about him was because in his life, he was never too late (laughs) to, to do the thing. He always was doing something. And most, one of the most impressive things I think that he did was in his seventies, he decided to go back to get finished, um, He's, he's Norwegian and he's very proud of being Norwegian. And uh, he spoke Norwegian. He grew up in Wisconsin and uh, he loved the language and loved everything about it. And he had gone to Norway multiple times, even gone to school there, but he didn't get through all five levels of Norwegian at the University of Oslo. And uh, he wanted to get through all five levels. So he started going back to summer school in his seventies and to get his, to get that level five certification, which like meant something for him. And it's funny because he had had a wonderful career as a music teacher and an educator. And um, he didn't really need this, but he wanted it. He wanted it. And one of my favorite things that um, uh, like listening to him, he went back to Norway, he lived in a dorm room. He got a dorm room at the University of Oslo, signed up for his classes, got his books and got a student ID. And he sent me a picture of a student ID. And here's a 76 year old man. It says student ID, University of Oslo. And he's like super proud. And he has this gray hair. And he's like that. And he's like, oh, honey, I'm the oldest one in the class um, by far. But in seeing these young people, it's so invigorating and fun. And I just have to. And he was talking about, you know, his teacher uh, was so strict and he had to be so ready and he was nervous about everything. And um, but he he did it. He he changed. He went to Norway and took all level five classes and like over periods of summer up until 76, 76 years of age was doing that with and walking around campus with his backpack and like studying for classes and doing all nighters and doing the things. And he was so proud of himself and so proud of getting to level five and being fluent in Norwegian. And then he came back to Colorado and started teaching at the sons of Norway. He started teaching Norwegian classes. Then he started a Norwegian choir in Wisconsin. They sang Norwegian songs because that's a big Norwegian population, but he kept doing things because he lived in possibility and age was not a constraint for him. Like it was just, it was who he was. And so, and we framed all of his certificates one through five um, up on his, uh, you know, he had it in his condo. And I think that's the thing he's most proud of probably in his life that he went back and no, he didn't need to, but he wanted to. Yeah, and yeah. he made it happen. It was never too late for him. And I feel yeah. so proud of him for that. And, you know, I'm glad you talked about that. Linda's dad was also an influence uh, for me. Uh, uh, Coincidentally, born in Norway, I don't come from a Norwegian family, but he was, I watched him make a career change. And this is really what helped me. Your father had to inspire you. But when I watched Bjorn make a career change in a solid career with a corporation he'd worked for a gazillion years, and he decided there was a county administrative job open in New Jersey. He was in Texas at the time or some other job. I can't remember. But he made this decision to leave that company and move. The first decision he made was to leave New Jersey and move to Texas and then back up to up to New England. And I watched him do this. And it was clear to me, I was younger, but it was clear to me 
he did not have a bone of fear about making a change mm -hmm. like this. How did your dad influence you? So I love that you brought up fear because that idea of fear, like I think a lot of times we get stuck in fear, like why we can't. And I think my dad influenced me because of what he can we, instead of what we can't, what we can. And instead of living in fear, living in possibility. And I also think inspiration by seeing someone else do that and taking the lessons from that. If it's not too late for him, that's not too late for me. And if it's, if it's not fully, if, if you can do something from pure desire and satisfaction, that can be enough, not of uh, maybe substance or um, producing something that like will lead to more money or this job. It can be done. You can do things just because they they're what you want to pursue. And so I think part of what my dad taught me is permission and, and permission to, to say, yes, the world may say this and the timeline of life may say this and society may think this, but I know what's true for me. And so I find myself coming back to that, like what's true for me in this moment, even recently leaving my job as a school counselor to pursue this after 18 years. Absolutely. And like, what's true for me now is I want to pursue public speaking and and coaching and training on a on a level where I can be fully committed. But oh no, I'm 51. Is it too late? Shouldn't I have done this in my 40s? And then just be like, no, you know why I'm doing it? Because now is the right time to do it. Like I'm doing it now because now is the right time. And so I think that kind of, if we can look around in our lives and who's inspiring us to break out of our narrative, who inspires you to sit in possibility, who inspires you to think about taking action towards those dreams that you have and those ideas when, when a world full of like, don't or can't or won't or shouldn't, sometimes we have to like, that noise is always going to be there. Sometimes we really have to focus in on there's other voices out there. There's other ideas. Where can I find those? Because we all need inspiration. We all need that touchstone piece. And we all need to be reminded in some ways. Like if sometimes I say, if, you know, if they can do it, I can do it too. Or, and then that's a really a place of hope and possibility. It really is. It really That's is. Where I think we need to sit sitting in possibility. Yeah. And don't you find that whenever you come at a crossroads where you have to make those decisions, you either hear their voice or you see their face just as a simple reminder to help mm -hmm. guide the ship. Carrie, thank you so much for today. I mean, we've talked about a lot. What's your, what would you like to leave us with today? What I want to leave everyone with is if you think about your mindset and when you tempted to think it's too late or I'm too late or I can't because I would love for you to instead of saying it's too late, if you could just replace that thought with what if I'm just getting started? Like, what if you could replace that thought with um, if, if, it, if it's too much to say I'm getting started? What if it could be like, I'm just going to sit in possibility and think about what might be possible? Or I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let my brain continue on autopilot. I'm gonna sit in this conscious moment and explore what I'm fearful about or why I think I can't and, and reality test that. But I love the idea of having something you can do in that moment. Like I'm just getting started and retrain your brain from it's too late to I'm just getting started or to like it's too late. I'm gonna sit in possibility for a minute. It's too late. Like maybe not. Like just use your, just do that little tweak so that you can stay in this present moment and then see what's next from that moment and then stay in that moment. Absolutely. Carrie, thank you so much. Please again, tell people how they might get a hold of you and how they can work with you directly. 
Sure. Come find me at knutsonspeaks.com or Instagram and Facebook on, on knutsonspeaks.com, uh, knutsonspeaks. And I do all kinds of presentations, trainings, workshops for groups, small and big all over the country. Um, and it's my pleasure to work with people who are really aligned with wanting to make change and shift thinking and shift perspective and use psychology to do that. Thank you. Carrie Knutson, everybody. I'm Dr. Pat. I want to thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. And remember, whatever the story is that you may have in your mind about change or not change, don't let anything get in the way of living your dreams. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Please enjoy this meditation from the Transformation Network. For your meditation, choose a position that allows you to relax. So either sitting up with your back supported so it can be nice and straight, or lying down flat on your back if that's comfortable for you. However, you can really just relax. And we're just going to start by letting your eyes close and letting your breath begin to take over in your awareness. So that means maybe you're elongating your breath a little bit, or maybe you're just noticing it. Maybe just noticing where you feel it in your body. So just being with your breath. either following it along in your body or guiding it to a place in your body where you want it to go. Maybe noticing places where you are holding tension in your body and inviting a little bit of openness by directing your breath there. Maybe releasing tension from the shoulders or the belly, the jaw, the forehead, neck. We're going to begin to guide the breath up and down the center channel of the body. So just imagining your breath flowing from the tip of your tailbone all the way up to the crown of your head on the inhale and then exhaling it back down to the tailbone. A few like that. And then we're gonna bring the earth in. So as you breathe in, you're actually breathing in now from the earth up into the tailbone, all the way up into the crown. And then you're breathing out from the sky all the way down through the crown and into the earth. And so we're gonna keep now inviting the earth and the sky into your breath process and feeling the earth come into the heart feeling the sky come into the heart. And if you're not feeling these things or you don't know what to do, just imagine it. It actually works wonders. That's part of the magic. And now allow your breath to be 
focused in the heart, feeling the heart begin to expand. And feeling the solar plexus below the heart also begin to expand. Somewhere in this space of the solar plexus and the heart, there is a spark of light that really is your soul's essence. It's who you really are, why you're really here. And I want you to bring your breath to that spark, wherever you imagine it might be living in your body, and let your breath expand the light of that spark. So as you breathe, this light of your soul's essence gets bigger and it begins to fill your entire body. Every cell has this light. And the light becomes so big that it doesn't even fit in your body anymore and it begins to fill your energetic field, the space surrounding your body. And so just breathing this light, feeling it bathe you. And now imagining anything that it may be giving you trouble, causing you concern in your life. You can either bring that into your light field or extend your light field out so far that it holds those things too. And so we're just practicing bringing your true soul's essence, this magic that is already inside you, to your world and to the things that you interact with. Letting them be in your light. And this is not a meditation that needs to stop when you go out into the world. This feeling of your light is something that you can take with you into every interaction, into every situation. You do not have to have your eyes closed to do it. All you need to do is to be able to feel that little spark and enhance it and expand it with your breath. So just take another minute to really feel that light of your soul's essence of who you really are. It doesn't have to be clear to you in words. The feeling is what we're after. And if you imagine something that's giving you concern coming in to that light, how does it shift? How does it transform? Is there some place in your body that's been aching that wants some extra light, send the light there. Let the light take over your brain, take over your eyes, take over your heart. It's just you, it's nothing outside you, it's just your truth. And now you can start to Deepen your breath, bringing your awareness back to your physical body, but not losing that light, not losing the feeling of who you really are.
and you can open your eyes and join us back here hopefully you're feeling a little a little bit if not a lot more magical than you were a few moments ago minutes ago <laughs> <laughs>